Now, time for us to move into our first story. It's a story that uh, we found on the website IOL, and it uh, talks to the fact that South African scientists are now contributing to a key global study on the effects of grazing in dry lands or deserts. So what exactly is a dry land and how is it affected? One thinks always that grazing may have a good impact, but there's also a bad impact as well. Professor Peter LaRue is from the Department of Plant and Soil Sciences at which university, Prof? Um, oh, Pretoria University. My apologies. I don't have that in front of me, Prof. So there we go. Prof, nice to have you. Thanks for joining us. And good morning to the team and your listeners. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, Prof, I'm going to ask you to stand very still because uh, you are cracking up rather badly. So I'm sure it's to do with power, but there we go. If you could just um, find a safe spot. Thanks. Okay. So th the study that you put together was interesting because it does discuss the impact of grazing in drylands. And one of the things we were talking about off air was when we say dryland, what is that? Is that desert? Is that closer to savannah? Is it something in between? And uh, how do we decide that something is a dry land? Right, yeah. So that's a, it's a really good question. I think um, the important thing in the study, we've uh, defined a dry land uh, in terms of how much rainfall it receives and how much water that system can lose. Yeah. Right. So in South Africa, we've got many areas that receive very low rainfall and very hot so they're able to lose a lot of water through evaporation. But there are also sites in the world which are quite cold, um, but they receive so little rainfall that even in those cold environments, they're still able to lose more water than they receive. So that's the basis that we use for defining drylands. Of course, in South Africa, as you kind of uh, suggested, we've got uh, the, so the Karoo that are, or all of the Karoo's considered drylands, but also parts of our savannas and parts of our grasslands, and even the feinbos, uh, all falls in this global definition as dry lands. Um, and I think what lots of people don't realize is that under a global definition, more than 90% of South Africa is actually considered, you know, to be a dry land, to be sure. arid. Okay. Um, and we sometimes, I think, forget that. We're so used to, used to it. But in a global perspective, we're a very dry area. So, Prof, if we talk about... Um the dry, like, at what point does a dryland become a savanna, which is quite different, and how different is that? And when it becomes pure desert, is is that um, something slightly different as well? Yeah. So we can the the way in South Africa that we would define this is we would uh, call each of these a different biome, which is really just yes. a big vegetation unit, right? Yeah. And a savanna would just be where you have uh, trees and grasses are both dominant. Desert would be where your dominant um, plant type is annuals, you know, something that will only grow after a big rain. Um, so, yeah, they all fall on this kind of spectrum of, of aridity. And, um, yeah, it kind of highlights how difficult it is to talk about uh, how we should manage drylands, because especially in South Africa, our drylands vary incredibly. Yeah. So, so, Professor, you know, it sounds counterintuitive, I know, but I always thought that a certain amount of grazing, and this may not be on a dry land, but certainly in a savannah, mm -hmm. may be good for the land because it sort of uh, helps with the growth, etc. Is that not true? Is that now proven to be uh, untrue? 
That's an excellent question. And in a way, it was one of the foundations for the study. And as you say, indeed, in some circumstances, more grazing is better. It encourages there to be a diversity of plants and animals, and it encourages productivity. So grazing by its, grazing itself is a natural process, and in some scenarios, it's really good. It benefits yeah. the ecosystem health. However, in other circumstances, we know that an increase in grazing um, actually leads to overgrazing, where there's a degradation in the system, yeah. where, for example, you end up having less plant diversity, you end up having less um, grazing available, and where you've got more, for example, soil erosion. So this is this tension of saying, what's the right level of grazing? Yeah. Um, and in which systems should we be having more grazing beneficial, and in which systems do we already have too much grazing. So yeah. that was very much like one of the, the foundations for the study is trying to understand that. So it's in a way trying to find the tipping point at which point it goes into the negative. Yes, exactly. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. And then on top of that, o overlaying onto that the risks of climate change and saying how will that tipping point shift yeah. as we move, for example, in South Africa to warmer and drier conditions. Yes. So what are you discovering? Okay, so I think we can boil this down to kind of three main messages. And the first two are, are quite um, straightforward. The first would be that when we've got mixed grazing, in other words, when there's more than one type of animal using the felt, that felt is actually going to be healthier. Yeah. Um, so instead of just having sheep or just goats or just cattle on your, your dry land, having a mixture of grazers, and this can include um, domestic livestock but also wild um, grazers. That's positive. We see that quite clearly in the data. Yeah. Um, the second thing that we see is that generally in cold dry lands with a high diversity of plants, more grazing does improve ecosystem health and ecosystem functioning. Um, the flip side of that, and unfortunately for South Africa, is that hot dry lands like we have here, more grazing usually is not positive. So it tells us we have to watch out for, for overgrazing in our dry lands. You know, um, and then the, you, sorry? You, yep. you talk about um, cold dry lands and hot dry lands, and I'm like mm. thinking about if you go into the Karoo, where yes. it, it is a hot dry land, I would imagine, because of yes. the temperature. Yes. But if you're there in winter, it becomes a cold dry land. Uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, no, that's a very good point. Uh, and the way that we uh, thought about temperature here was simply saying, what's the average annual temperature? Um, yeah. And indeed, the, the Karoo would count as a, a pretty um, warm dry land. Yeah. But we could think of uh, southern South America, for example, Patagonia. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is a dry land, but it's a, it's a cold dry land. Yeah, that kind um, yeah. 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 So, Prof, we move forward, and I imagine this would be part of the almost like scenario planning for farmers, for um, sheep farmers in the Karoo and the mm -hmm. like, where they start to go, okay, this is, this is where we're at. These are the shifts. This is what climate change could do and could mm -hmm. impact. What are some of those things that you are now starting to have to put out there that can practically be used in terms of the thinking um, of yeah. for farmers and, and the planning for farmers as well. This is all about planning. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, I think a lot of what we are 
uh, finding here are things that individual farmers know already. You know, they know their land so much better than anyone else. Um, and this kind of links, I think, with the the third message from the paper. This is the one which is kind of um, maybe hard to swallow. That unfortunately, the relationship between grazing and ecosystem properties and climate change is complex. In more than 80% of our results, we saw contingencies. In other words, where the effect of grazing and the effect of climate change depends on another property. So maybe it depends on the sandiness of the soil. So for example, one of the, the uh, results that came through clearly was that soil fertility uh, declines under increased grazing. So the more grazing you have, the less fertile the soils become. But under sandy soils, that effect is really pronounced. Yeah. Okay. So what, what does this mean for us? It means that, yes, we've documented these global patterns and it's telling us, look, Overall, this is what we expect to happen. But this is going to vary depending on your local conditions. Yeah. Um, and that's to us, look, we have to manage individual regions or individual farms, um, taking into account their local conditions. Um, so we don't have a simple message to say to all South African farmers, you know, hey, if your rainfall is above this level, do more grazing. If it's below, do less. Yeah. Um, and it really, in a way, is a call to say we need to understand our local systems better. And you know, as we as we started by saying, we've got all these different biomes, and I think it's a call now to say, well, we need to understand this is whether the, these patterns hold within the savanna, within the Namakuru where there's summer rainfall, within the succulent Karoo where there's winter rainfall. Um, so I think we have to be careful about applying these results to individual circumstances, but rather use them as a guide to say, look. We need to understand what the local conditions are, and once we know that, then yeah. you know you can really manage your farm in a way that it's going to make it more resilient yeah. to climate change, and maybe even allow you to maximize or to increase your productivity. So um, if you, if but yeah, unfortunately, we're not at the stage where we can give concrete recommendations. Yeah. So if you can figure out the macro, then uh, the micro would then follow. It's a bit like an ecosystem for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Prof, that's uh, fascinating stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. That's Prof Peter LaRue from the Department of Plant and Soil Sciences at the University of Pretoria, uh, contributing to, together with Tulani Makalanyani uh, on a global study on the effects of grazing in cold drylands and also dry, hot drylands as well. So a whole different way of thinking about the way we work forward. Noel, we uh, see your tweet and uh, we know that you're checking in during your coffee break as you guys hike through the Western Cape. What a beautiful photo of you guys walking. I'm uh, in awe and completely envious as well.